0: Yes, welcome in everybody. Week 8 in the NFL season, near enough in the books we've had a week off. It's been a bit busy at full 10 yards towers for one reason or another. But delighted to say we're back behind the mics tonight. Um, but it is only a two-man crew. It's my good self as usual, Sean Hosting, and I'm welcoming in one of my regular buddies on a Monday night. Steve, how you doing my friend?
1: yeah good, could be good we're like we're like uh buck and aikman we're like the monday night duo for <laughs> monday night football we're gonna roll this one just together but yeah no doing well i um had a long drive home from newcastle yesterday spent the weekend in newcastle watched a wonderful four nil win which we won't discuss in the other the other football um but was delayed driving home so i had my other half giving me the updates on the eagles score as we were driving home and it was just wonderful to hear oh they've scored oh they've scored again oh they've scored again Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that. But yeah, a a wonderful weekend of sports all around.
0: Yeah, it must be nice to support some good teams. I did text you this morning (laughs) and said the pod was subject to not mentioning the football, and you lasted about 45 seconds, man. So yeah, I should have known better, shouldn't I? But let's talk the odd shaped football, and let's talk week eight in the NFL. Um, weird and wonderful week. I actually got to see some in person. I was down in London. Um, for the offering that was the Jags against the Denver Broncos. Ended up being a competitive affair. Um, it was actually quite an enjoyable watch for the neutral. Certainly wasn't the greatest advertisement for the game. Um, the first quarter in particular from Denver was pretty atrocious, it's got to be said. Russell Wilson picked off on his um, second draw. You should have been picked off on his first pass of the game. Penalties galore. Absolute penalties galore for the Denver Broncos in this one. It just felt as though the referees' flags were constantly down on the field. 12 total penalties assessed on the Broncos for 81 yards yesterday. Um, They couldn't get out of their own way. Two for 11 on third down. Um, And we talked about this about a month ago, didn't we, Steve, that this looked like a real tasty game. I think at the point that we described it, both teams were 2-1. and We've kind of just expected the fact that Russell Wilson will eventually find the answer to whatever have been the problems in Denver and it will start to click and it will start to come together. The jags were looking quite punchy, but this is seemingly now a bit of a pattern with them that they've been very much in games, games that they very much have had an opportunity to win. Um, you know Travis, um, I'll tell you what this this annoyed me at Wembley yesterday. The announcer, Travis E T N. Oh my god, he was really giving it some <laughs> yesterday. Um, but he had a monster day, absolute he monster did. day following the trade away of James Robinson. Um, he certainly very much the leader in that backfield now. 24 carries, 156 yards, and the deserved touchdown, which looked like t- it may well be the game winner with three minutes 54 left on the clock. Um, but to be fair. Russell Wilson actually played pretty well in the second half. Connected with a deep ball to KJ Hamler, ultimately ended up in a Latavius Murray two-yard touchdown run. Um, like I said, not necessarily the greatest of games. Certainly enjoyable. I personally enjoyed it being back at Wembley. It was the largest ever international crowd, eighty-six thousand plus there That's yesterday. Long. Um, I just think it's a really good stadium in terms of the accessibility, in terms of getting in and out, and obviously the fact that you can get 30,000 more people in there than you can at Tottenham yeah. is obviously a bonus. Um, great that it's been back, Steve. I think we've had a couple of years, haven't we, where we didn't have any games at all with COVID, then they sort of brought it back and only done them at Tottenham. This is the first time yeah. we just been at Wembley now for three or four seasons. Been a, been a success on the whole of the international series. Obviously, the Packers completed the set of all 32 teams coming over obvious questions will be asked now around how does this progress from here um so what's your thoughts in terms of the international stuff and obviously a bit of a comment on the game yesterday if you want if you want to add anything to it
1: i think the obvious thing is it really is a shame that they've moved away from full-time being at wembley just because thirty people that's a third of the of the capacity of the stadium just can't go anymore um, and up, obviously up until this season now they've got a game in germany um there was no other games outside of of north america and so when you have a game at Wembley, it's not just all of the fans in England and Scotland and Wales that are going, there's people traveling from all over Europe to go to that because it's far cheaper to get to London and Heathrow than it is to fly across the pond to, to whichever city you're going to. So it's a shame that they are moving away. And and, and I've been to one of the games a few years back when the Eagles came over and, um, yeah, I, I really like the Wembley setup. The, the whole sort of fan zone they put on with all of the sort of games you can go to, and like that's great because they've got all the space for it. They just they just take over a couple of the car parks, and you know they they put on all the good stuff. And the, there's the the club shop they put up that must do an absolute fortune on the day of all the stuff they sell. I seem to remember getting an Eagles tattoo on my face. That's a <laughs> but yeah, the, it's it's just a really good day, a really good atmosphere. Like you say, Wembley's really good for I think that sort of game, that sort of environment. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's just really good, and I, I hope that they don't lose Wembley because as much as that Spurs Stadium is impressive, thirty thousand people not being able to go. Like I remember when the tickets went on sale, I, f- I forgot that they got on sale, but then I was hearing of people being like six hundred thousandth in the queue, and it's like, well, what's the point? What is the point? Like you, you're just not even going to get a shout at tickets at that point. So yeah, it's um I think it's 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 become very quickly something that's very very difficult to get tickets for and even if, if you can they're an absolute fortune but yeah good day i'm sure I'm sure it's a great day out. and it you know for, like you said it was for once it was it was a pretty decent game i think the the last year when they came back over the games were a bit shocking on paper um and you know and like you said when we when we mentioned this one previously these both of these teams looked okay but then since then they both got on losing streaks and they actually went into the game 2 and 5 both of them you know how 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 the hell they both were 2 and 5 got on knows, but um like you say, frustrations on both sides of the ball. Um, Russell Wilson, for all of the rubbish that he's been spouting over the last two weeks, the one thing that always reminds you of how good a quarterback is, Russell Wilson, is how good his deep ball is. He's got such a good arm for a for a long, deep, looping ball for a goal route and hit KJ Hammer on that one. And, and you know, that was a um, – it just reminds you of how good he can be, uh, not much of which can be said for the guy on the opposite side of the field because I feel like, uh, you know, Doug Penison must be – Slamming his head against the wall, watching um, Trevor Lawrence play some weeks because it's it's so strange how a guy can be so hyped from the college game, and it felt like Trevor Lawrence was in college for about twenty years because he just never seemed to want to uh, declare for the draft. But he was so good from such a young age that he was dominant for like three seasons at Clemson. He finally comes in, obviously he goes to the Jags, and you've got the whole Urban Meyer situation. So a lot of people would say, well, you know, give him that year because that's an absolute you know dumpster fire to come into so a lot of people sort of considering this is rookie season but even by rookie season standards this is still bad he's missing obvious players he's overthrowing receivers he's he's turning the ball over now obviously you can give a certain amount of that to a rookie and to a team like Jacksonville who new head coach again you know young receivers um, you know Bringing a lot of people in on 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 free agency and in the draft, so a lot of people to have to try and gel. But you know, there's guys around the league that have been picked. You know, that were far less accomplished coming out of college that are doing far better than than Trevor Lawrence is. So you know, it does make you think. It does make you wonder if if Jacksonville go on another season where they finish sort of you know three and fourteen, four and thirteen, that sort of range. You know, do they give? Obviously, I don't think that can be blamed on on Doug Peterson. His first season, he's trying to you know get the cogs turning. Do you know how long do you give Trevor Lawrence before? And I'm, I'm certainly not saying they need to start thinking about trading him, but how long do you give him before you start thinking like, wow, like this is just not working? Something is fundamentally wrong here. he just need a change of scenery. And we've seen it with quarterbacks recently that have been drafted by one team and have just moved on. You know, guys like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield who were, were came into the league, supposedly the next big thing, just didn't work, change of scenery. And, and their careers have sort of dwindled a little bit. And, and if Trevor Lawrence is not careful, I think he could go down that
0: route. I really do. Yeah, I think it is time to start asking a few questions. Like you say, I think he's been given enough rope now. Like you say, in terms of the circumstances, but you know, he's he's sort of his, his stat line for yesterday tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? Eighteen of thirty-one, just one hundred and thirty-three yards. Um, you know, two interceptions thrown in there as well. Um, seven balls completed to the running backs. You know, the wide receiver call, which on paper is not too bad. Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones. Um, you know, they only combined for we're probably looking at here you know, six six catches and, and Marvin Jones without a catch on the day. Um yeah, you know, just not just not good enough. They do they do need to start pushing the ball down the field. Um but yeah, like you say, signs signs potentially, like I say, that um that Russell Wilson, you know, back from his injury this week. Um you could tell the game meant a lot in the way he celebrated the game winner. Uh, let's see if the Broncos kick on. From here, let's then start to go through some of the games that then followed that in the traditional early Sunday window. Um, always throws me when they put the clocks back an hour because it's, weird, it's strange and kicking off at five o'clock. We were coming out of bed, we're thinking, Oh, I've got plenty of time to get across to somewhere to watch red zone, and then obviously you get there and you already miss the first quarter of most of these. Yeah. Um, so let's whiz through a few of them. Washington 17, Indianapolis 16. Um Again, this one come right down to the end, didn't it? Taylor Heineke going up a deep ball and Terry McLaurin snagging one down at the goal line, um, which obviously then led to the go-ahead game winner as time pretty much expired. Um, obviously, the Colts had a few ticks left, but we're never going to be able to do anything with it. Um, Sam Ellinger obviously was the big news going into this one, getting the start ahead. Old Matt Ryan, um, really questionable. <laughs> decision, it's got to be said on that one. We've taught the fact that the Matt Ryan trade just hasn't worked. It's not just the Matt Ryan trade, though, is it? This has been, you know, several veteran quarterback trades, Steve, that just haven't gone the right way. Sam Ellinger has been around on the roster for a while now, and no one's ever thought to turn to him previously. It seems a very strange thing to turn to him now. Um, But the Colts feel a little bit rudderless, don't they, at three, four and one. Um, So, you know, I suppose nothing to lose, but ultimately, the Washington Commanders, all of a sudden, are back to 500. Yeah, it means that no team in the NFC East
1: has got a losing record at the moment, which is wild. Let's just say that again. Like, what what is that about? <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the Commanders come back and, and, and take a close one. Um, and, you know, for what it's worth, I don't think Ellinger was that bad by the calibre of quarterback player that, that Indianapolis has had this season so far. I don't think he was that bad. Um, but you know, like you say, when you start turning to, to to guys like that to to start at the quarterback, it starts becoming some uh it starts becoming a bit sort of concerning and, and what's going on behind the scenes is it is it sort of panic stations. You know, you've traded away to get Matt Ryan, you've you've taken on his contract, you've got you know, you've you've Another another quarterback trade, and yet somehow you know what's what's going on here. Like, it, why is he not starting anyone? Obviously, he's been playing awfully, and I wonder if this Colts franchise is entering a bit of a sort of. Uh, a, a, a rebuild phase, in the fact that they've got no other choice. For the Colts, have been solid for the longest time. Like they, they were never quite like the top end, but they were certainly not in the danger that they are right now. And I wonder if it's finally all just blowing up in their face. And you know, you look across that roster, and you think, you know, it's good, but it's not amazing. And there's, there's, there's no like, I, no one screams star player to me, apart from maybe Jonathan Taylor. Um, I don't think it doesn't feel like there's that many like star players on the team. Um, and and I think when you when you're struggling for talent like that, it, it just becomes a, a fairly average roster. Um, and so yeah, the Indianapolis are a bit of a crossroads. They're, they're three, four, and one. Um, they're obviously I think they're probably going to struggle to beat Tennessee in, in the in the race for that division. Are they going to get in the back door in the in the AFC in a in a wild card spot? Is that going to benefit them? Do they want you know? Is you start this? We're entering that start of part of the season where you start looking at that sort of thing and think. Well, getting in on a wild card could be the difference between getting like the, you know, the twelfth pick or the nineteenth pick, you know, which can make a big, big deal. You know, just ask Chicago that they had traded up to get um, Justin Fields. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's questions need to be asked in Indianapolis, and I think there could be some uh, some movement in, in, very soon in terms of, of coaching as well, because if it's not working with uh, if Ellinger's not the answer, and they've obviously backed him to change to Ellinger. You know how long does Frank Reich have? You know, is it is it just a bit of a, a time for okay? We need to need to go our separate ways, and we need a fresh voice in in the room. Um, you know, it's happened with teams before where the coach is, himself is still sort of a respected head coach. But is it a case of what well, we just need a fresh fresh set of ideas? We just go different direction, and that coach goes off to to coach somewhere else. Because I could see Reich getting another job somewhere, but I think his uh, his time in Indianapolis is numbered if he doesn't start turning things around soon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, most definitely, mate, completely agree. He's very much going to be one on the uh, on the Steve hot seat watch, I would suggest. Um, let's move through some other games then. The Dallas Cowboys 49, Chicago Bears 29. Strange old game, this one, wasn't it? Dallas went up massive early, 28 points to seven up. The Bears then threatened to come back, getting it back to 28-23. Um, but then the game really changed and was put to bed in the space of a couple of minutes with a Tony Pollard run. And then a Mika Parsons fumble return, which is quite possibly one of the funniest players I've ever seen with Justin Fields. For whatever reason, deciding to hurdle over Mika Parsons as he was was actually on the ground. Instead of touching him down, (laughs) um, Mika Parsons said, thank you very much, got up and rumbled 36 yards for the touchdown. And that was all she wrote in this one. Cowboys obviously improved to six and two, um, trying their damnedest to keep pace with the Eagles. Um, the Bears slipped to three and five, and it feels about time that the Bears had a losing record. They have been one of the weirdest stories of the season to be a winning team or a 500 team. Um, I think that that three and five will progressively get worse throughout the season because they really do look a poor, poor roster. And with, um, the, I'm sorry, with on, the Bears, as well, they've
1: they've made two big trades trades away this week as well, haven't they? You know, they traded. Um, they've just today traded Roquan Rock, Rock Smith to the to the Ravens. Yeah. Um and straight away uh, defensive end up to the Eagles as well on um, uh, um, on the Quinn. weekend, uh, Robbie. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's you know that's that's a uh, a big loss on the defense. Two leaders on the defense, two veterans, and they're getting picks in for them. So, you know, I think um, you know Quinn was starting to get a bit older, but he's certainly a leader on the defense. And in terms of Rockon Smith he's a leader on that in that backfield in terms of being a you know a run stuffing linebacker he's, he leads the NFL in tackles this season That shows sure how important he is so i think Chicago is very much in a rebuild mode and they've got a lot of picks to surround Justin Fields with next year so they must they, it looks like they are sort of giving up on this year and and going all in to surround
0: fields with some weapons next year and boy do they need to yeah, they certainly do. It's one of those rosters, you just look at it on paper and it, it certainly doesn't inspire you, uh, certainly when it comes to the skill position. So definitely time for them to retool. And you mentioned Robert Quinn. Now, mate, let's take you then to your game, the Eagles 35, Steelers 13. Robert Quinn, a little bit quiet in his debut. He did manage to get one quarterback hit registered on the statue, but I don't think we're ever expecting him to come in and uh, all of a sudden be the absolute monster on the defence. But, you know, this is a team that is just going from... Strength to strength, you must be absolutely delighted. Um, Still, obviously, the only undefeated team in the NFL. Um, The usual story as well, wasn't it, mate? Scored plenty of points early doors, um, 21 points at the half, but actually sort of still managed to keep adding to the scoreboard in the second period as well. Um, The Steelers just look an absolute mess, don't they? We joked the other week that, you know, if Mike Tomlin gets out of this season... With a winning record, it will be his biggest coaching success. It's looking less and less likely by the week. Pretty routine and comfortable win this one, mate, for the Eagles.
1: Yeah, it's um, it was a it was a, a game that the Eagles were expected to win. I think some people talked about it, it could be a trap game coming off the bye. You know, local rival Pittsburgh. Team coming in not expected to win, uh, it could be easy to get complacent and lose. But no, the Eagles took care of business. Um, you know they pulled all their starters with nine minutes left in the second half, so that just shows you how how much this game was done and dusted. Um, you know by the fourth quarter. Um, you know I think this this Steelers team is again just in the middle of a of a sort of situation where it doesn't really know what direction it's going in. Kenny Pickett, they picked up with the first round, local boy went to pick, but. Is he the answer? He was sacked six times on on Sunday afternoon. Um, no touchdowns, one interception, um, QBR of 32.7 the ESPN. So, you know, didn't, you know again rookie quarterback? But what I mean, what does impress me is that that you know Pittsburgh have got some good receivers. It's not like you know, perhaps Indianapolis, where you look at you think, oh, if they had some better receivers, then maybe they might be a bit better. But you know, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, uh, Pat Freermouth, they're all they're all good pass catchers. You know, some of them can pull off some really, really good players. And they're just, yeah, it's just not there. But, you know, on the Eagles side of the ball, A.J. Brown is a monster. If you're Tennessee right now, you've got to be wondering why on earth did we not pay him? Um, A.J. Brown on this season has uh, 659 receiving yards. Every single Tennessee receiver combined has 658 So it just shows you you what a monster he is. He had three touchdowns on the day, should have had a fourth, but was caught uh, on his his, uh, yards after catch. He was running to the the end zone and was was chased down. He said it's the first time in his career he's ever been caught in a situation like that. So he'll be frustrated with himself. But yeah, Eagles just did the business. Five sacks on Uh, defence. Another interception for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Uh, we continue to thank the Saints for giving him giving him to us, um, and yeah, just just a, another solid team performance. I think the thing with the Eagles at the moment is that not only they're only undefeated team, but their schedule is so, in inverted commas, easy this season. Like next, their Thursday night football this week at the Texans, who I'm sure we'll come on to looked dreadful this week. Um, so you know, you 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 start to look at the Philadelphia schedule, and you start to think, well. Who's going to beat them? Like that's that's the honest uh, the honest sort of assessment is honestly who is actually going to beat this Eagles team? Because you look down at it, they got Texans, Commanders, Colts, Packers, Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys, Saints, Giants. I'd say the biggest rivals to them are the divisional ones in the Giants and the Cowboys. Outside of that, the you know the Colts look awful this year. The Packers are a shadow of themselves. The Titans maybe, but you know you know uh, AJ Brown's going to be up for that so yeah i i don't think they'll go undefeated because no team ever goes undefeated it's too hard to do um
0: but i could definitely see this eagles team only dropping one or two yeah there's definitely definitely a chance like you say when you look at that schedule um it certainly feels doable uh, but like you say we'll see how it all shakes out. So you mentioned a couple of teams there i so might as well go to that game next and that is the titans taking care of business against the texans um obviously ryan Tannehill out of this one with an illness um, so, step forward. I was going to say Malik Willis, but step forward, Derrick Henry, because the Titans just got back to what the <laughs> Titans are, aren't they? They handed yeah. the ball off 32 times to Derrick Henry. He responded to the tune of 219 yards and two touchdowns. Simple game sometimes, isn't it, football? Yeah. Malik Willis, 6 of 10 for 55 yards and an interception. Um, you yeah, know, So, th- this was just all about Derrick Henry. And, like I say, completely uncomplicated game plan. Um, and a very, very, um, Derek Henry like performance. He's run over the Texans more than once in his career. Continue to do so again, Davis Mills. I was quite impressed with him in his rookie season, but he's certainly taken a step backwards. It would seem in his, um, secondary campaign. Um, you know, again, in this one, 17 of 29, just 152 yards, at another interception to add on to what has been a pretty poor season so far um and again this texans team yes they've got loads of of picks coming up they've obviously got plenty of picks in terms of the you know the trade they made with the browns in terms of getting to sean watson off the books and i know they've got some some others um but again it just feels like another team in rebuild but it, they just feel like a team constantly in rebuild over the last three or four years don't they? the texans mate. so um i don't know really what to make of tennessee five and two seems to me to be a bit of a flattering five and two i don't think they're really particularly scaring anybody um, but the Texans certainly in, in play for the number one overall pick, you would suggest.
1: Yeah, I think the Texans are a, 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 a weird team. They, You know, they, they looked – in some of the early games of the season, they looked close. They looked like they were being competitive. And then I think the old last <coughs> season has sort of come back to, to haunt them. And, you know, you've got to look at this game and you think, okay, Tennessee's rolling into town. Um, you know that uh, Ryan Tannehill's not playing. You know that he's not even getting on the flight because he's ill and he's not he's not going to be active for the game. So you're expecting Malik Willis, a rookie quarterback. He's not going to have had many first-team reps outside of this week. So you know that they're not going to throw the ball very much. And, oh, look, who do they have in the backfield? Derrick Henry, the one man that they're going to run, run to, even if they did have Ryan Tannehill. So what would you prepare for with this game? You're probably prepared to defend the rush, you probably prepare to, you know, stuff the box, make them try and find the outside, make them try and find the edge, and 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 play up. And they just didn't. They just did not do it. And you know, him rushing for, I know he's a monster in himself, and sometimes he just breaks tackles and he's difficult to bring down. But 219 yards, average of 6.8 per carry, two touchdowns. Like, you know, what what were you doing all week? What were you scheming up all week that allowed that to happen? You know, you think if if you if you go into that game and you get beaten in the air, you say, okay, fair enough, rookie quarterback. We didn't expect that to happen, you know. If he's if he's going to beat us in the air, sometimes players have, to have good games, fine. But if you get beaten on the ground, he's like, well, what else were you expecting? What else were you expecting from this game? So yeah, the, this this Texans team is a strange one. Um, it, may, it does make you wonder how long they're going to take to recover from the whole Deshaun Watson trade and and that awful awful. Um, post-game route that they had uh, a couple of seasons back that seems to still come back to haunt them. So, yeah, I think this Texans team are definitely a lock-in to be in the top three come, uh, come April next year.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, and team that will also want to start very quickly forgetting this season is the Las Vegas Raiders. they laid a goose egg this week, 24-0 to the New Orleans Saints. Um, Alvin Kamara had himself a day on the ground and through the air. Three touchdowns combined and over 850 scrimmage yards. Um, again, similar to what I just said about the Texans. It's very simple game sometimes. The Saints seem to have forgotten that Alvin Kamara is their biggest weapon so far this season. This is probably the first, first Sunday that I can remember in a long time that we've really been talking about Alvin Kamara as being... the the big difference maker for the saints Um, and lots and lots of questions here for the Raiders. Derek Carr pulled in this game. Um, Just nothing was going right. Was it, you know, he week again, 15 of 26 for 101 yards, sacked three times through an interception. Devontae Adams, one catch for three yards, one catch for three yards. Something is seriously, seriously wrong with this Raiders team. Um, You know, everybody was expecting big things from them. Um, is this another one that's on your coaching in a hot seat, mate, Josh McDaniels? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'd I'd have
1: him pretty close to the top, to be honest. Um, I, I I I was a bit confused as to why they hired Josh McDaniels. Um, he he didn't do very well when he left the Patriots before. Went back to the safety of of Bill Belichick and has now left, fled the nest again, and doesn't seem to have done anything different. Um, this Vegas team are playing far far below the standard they should be playing at um you know you trade all that all that draft capital away to get Devontae adams one of the best receivers in the league arguably you know want the best over the last couple of seasons in green bay and you don't throw the ball to him like i was looking at some stats earlier and Devontae adams is something like um 150 second in catch percentage He's just over 58% in catch percentage. And obviously that can be impacted by things like where the ball is thrown and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, that's not the type of thing you you expect from from uh, Devontae Adams. He's usually a guy you expect to come down with the ball. He did it plenty of times at Green Bay, you know, and, and everyone, and I said this a few weeks ago, everyone ranted and raved about the chemistry that Derek Carr and Devontae Adams would have going back to their college days. That was a long time ago, a long, long time ago. And, and they haven't played together in long times. In a long time. He's got 38 receptions of the season, which is 20th across the league. Um, you know, he's got five touchdowns. They're just, I just don't think they're scheming it to him. When you've got a guy like that on the offense, you get the ball to him. Look at the Vikings and Justin Jefferson, look at the uh the Bills and Stefan Diggs, you know, look at the Eagles and AJ Brown. You get the ball to these guys because they can make plays. And that's what they're not doing right now. Um, and yeah, I just it's just not working in Las Vegas. I don't know what the answer is. I actually can't remember the last time a team scored zero points. I can't remember the last time I saw it. Plenty of times a team get like three or six. They'll get a concessionary field goal. But I can't remember the last time a team scored, scored zero points. That's really, really embarrassing. And did I also see a stat yesterday that the the first time they crossed the 50-yard line was in the fourth quarter, I believe. Which is, yeah. that's shocking. That's absolutely shocking. Could you imagine being a, a Raiders fan and watching that? The first time you get out of your own half it's in the fourth quarter.
0: Absolutely yeah, well, dreadful. It was the fourth quarter, I believe. It was actually the last drive of the game. And they did get down to the New Orleans 6. Um, and they could have, I suppose, kicked that consolation field goal to get the goose egg off the board. They actually went for it on a fourth down and was incomplete. Um but yeah i mean obviously it wouldn't have changed fundamentally the game or the result would it so yeah certainly questions to be asked there and as, as silly as it sounds a huge win for the saints because this has become one of the most bonkers divisions it's become bonkers because tampa bay fell on thursday night football 22 27 to the baltimore ravens won't talk about it too much as it was obviously now a full four or five days ago Um, but obviously significant in as much as it's the first time in his career that Tom Brady has lost three games in a row. Um, We said we wouldn't talk too much about the off-field stuff, but obviously it came out over the course of the weekend, hasn't it, that the divorce has now been officially sort of signed off or whatever the the sort of correct terminology is for that process, and it's obviously having a massive impact in terms of, of what's happening on the field. In terms of the Ravens, they move... Ominously to five and three, particularly with that trade for Roquan Smith, as you mentioned earlier, that's just really improved that defense a little bit more. But it drops the books now, mate, to three and five. The Saints are at three and five, and it brings us on to quite possibly the wildest game of the weekend. Myself and Dave from the Full Ten Yards, we were both at Wembley yesterday, and we went to a pub afterwards. Um, they got Red Zone on. And they had quite possibly the most weird Atlanta Falcons fan who, (laughs) it can only be said, was losing his mind watching the fourth quarter of this game (laughs) because it was just absolutely bonkers. The lead flipped and flopped. The Falcons went ahead um, with 2.14 left to play. Um, and myself and Dave looked at each other and said, this will be remembered there was the P.J. Walker game. Because we just we just sort of had this anticipation that something was going to happen. He was going to go up the field and, you know, it was going to be um, all good stuff. Unfortunately for the Panthers, what ended up happening was that they ended up turning the ball over on downs. The, the Falcons get it back, but they only had on a field goal which gave the Panthers 36 seconds left on the clock. And Patrick Mahomes has described this, mate, now as the best throw in the NFL this season. And for those of you that have been with the full 10 yards for a while now, you'll know I actually got quite invested into the XFL, which is where PJ Walker really made his his sort of name for a period of time. He He was the MVP of the short-lived XFL. Um, but he, un- he unleashed an absolute beauty of a 62-yarder to DJ Moore, who looks at all of a sudden a different player, looks revitalised. So um, what we you've assumed was to put the Panthers ahead, but DJ <laughs> Moore in his celebration removes his helmet, knocks the kick back 15 yards to which Eddie Pinheiro then pulls left. It goes to overtime. The Panthers had an opportunity to win it with a Pinheiro field goal, which was a game missed. And ultimately, mate, the Falcons do get the job done and move to 4-4 four and four with a young Hoku field goal. But what a crazy, crazy, crazy game. 37-34. At one stage, it looked very likely that every team in the NFC South was going to be 3-5, and five, and the Panthers... Could have actually led the division on tiebreakers. This is how bonkers this division has got, mate. It's
1: wild. Absolutely wild. What a game. This is the type of game you love to see as a neutral because it was just so bonkers. I, I mean... First of all, let's definitely put some recognition on PJ Walker. That was a beauty of a throw. Like, if you haven't seen it, just go watch it now. The PJ Walker fourth quarter throw to DJ Moore is an absolute beaut. And a hell of a catch, too. Let's, you know, let's not forget that from DJ Moore. He still had a lot to do, and he did it. Um, yeah. When I remember the, the the Red Zone guy. the Sorry, the, the, the live commentary of the game on Red Zone. They went absolutely wild when he caught it. Yeah, what a hell of a throw. Yeah. Um, and you think okay it's 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 um it's 34 all the panthers are going to ice this they're going to make the kick and they're going to win it and the falcons will be kicking themselves that they haven't put this to bed and then he misses the few, the, the extra point i mean i don't think uh, you know taking your helmet off in the end zone should that be a 15 yard penalty when the game's over and it's you're celebrating like that needs to be reviewed because that's also 15 yards like offensive holding gets you less than 15 yards yeah, that's a bit silly, but still, never, never, you know. Nevertheless, you should be making your kicks. That's why some of these kickers get paid a lot of money. That's why Justin Tucker is, is you know, is, is paid a lot of money because he doesn't miss. And yeah, you should be. And not only did he miss one. He then misses the second, the, the the field goal opportunity in overtime. And you just knew it. And my brother's a Carolina fan. And he said to me, as soon as that happened, he just texted me and said, Carolina gonna Carolina. And that's exactly what they did. And they must be absolutely kicking themselves because they had a chance to be three and five and leading the NFC South. But hey, I mean, the Falcons are four and four and leading the NFC South. And a lot of people would have had them there or thereabouts for the, you know, contention for the first round, first overall pick next year. And, they're putting things together. Carl Pitts is finally seems to be rolling in the offense. I you know, Mariota, whilst he's certainly not gonna to be top of anyone's depth chart in terms of, of you know um quarterbacks, I think he's he's doing all right. He's he's sort of you know making a decent account for himself. And yeah, this, this Falcons team are quietly getting things done, whilst every other team in the division seems to be having their own, you know, catastrophes. The Falcons are just rising to the top and four and four. Could we see Atlanta hosting a playoff game in
0: In January, good Lord. Yeah, it certainly is a crazy, crazy division. You you kind of think, or you just expect that Brady will get it figured out. But like I said, the signs are ominous. And talking of ominous signs, man, that brings us to another quarterback who you just expect to get things done. But, I mean, this was obviously a tough game, don't get me wrong. I'm talking here about the Bills and the Packers. Um, 27-17, Buffalo take care of business in this one. But we're just so used to seeing Brady and we're so used to seeing Aaron Rodgers just win these games, get themselves into situations where postseason football is almost a expectation and, and it's almost a formality that it's going to happen. They've both got some serious, serious work to do, probably more so in terms of of Aaron Rodgers just because of the situation in the division where they are considerably now a few games back of the division leading Vikings, who we'll come on to shortly. Um, but you know Buffalo continue to roll, mate. Twenty seven seventeen, like I say. Um, but you know, talk me through these two quarterbacks, mate. Because you put you pointed this out earlier. It almost does feel as though this is very much the changing of the guard now, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it really does. Like I feel like we're in the end game now of of the the Rodgers Brady era the the sort of last two of a of a, an era of quarterback that we all sort of grew up with you know fans of our age sort of grew up watching these guys dominate the league for the longest time and you always knew that you know if, if Rodgers are the Packers they'll be in the playoffs you just you know even week 1 you knew the Packers would make the playoffs same with Brady and the and the Patriots and now the the Bucks you kn- you knew as soon as you saw week 1 you'd be like yeah they'll be in the playoffs just because you know who it is but This season, things just aren't clicking. Things are not going right. I think with Brady, you can see that it's finally, finally getting to him. He's not quite the same quarterback he's been. He's not, you know, he's not, he's, he's, you know, I'm not saying he's playing awfully, but something's not quite there. Um, and I think he's, 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 you know, he's not. He's got Mike Evans for Christ's sake, you know, one of the best receivers in the league, and they don't seem to be to be doing much together. You know, I just mentioned a few teams that are using these receivers, including the Bills and, and guys like Stephon Diggs. You know, they're using these receivers to their advantage because they know how good they are, especially in contested catches and deep down the field. And they're just not doing that. Um, and you know. Off the off-field stuff has to be affecting him. It has to be. You can't sort of deny that. You can't it must be. And he's got to be wondering if it was all worth it. Was it worth coming back for? But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they can squeeze in because that division is definitely still winnable if they can put a, a, a run of fixtures together. Um but again, the biggest thing I think, and, and this is being vastly underplayed by most people, but I think the biggest thing is losing Bruce Arians. I really do. I think that um I think that's a big voice in the in the locker room, and I think him. Moving up upstairs, as it were, um, I think has had a big effect on this team, and obviously, the, the Bucks have just lost Shaq Barrett for the season as well. I think, torn Achilles that's a massive, massive loss for the Bucks. That's their sort of leader in the mid, in the, in the, um, linebacker room but on that defense. That's a big loss for them. Um, he was one of the sort of the stalwarts when they, when they won the Super Bowl, so that'll be interesting to see how they replace him. When it comes to Green Bay, Rogers is just, I mean, with Rogers, you can at least say that he's not really got many competent receivers but Romeo Dubs put up a, a pretty good performance there were some really really good catches from Dubs and I think he's starting to sort of learn the offense and starting to put a bit of a marker down and he could be a decent um, receiving threat for the Packers in, in, the, in the sort of for the rest of the season Um both teams getting the running game going. The the Green Bay 208 yards on the on the uh, on the ground. Uh, Jones and Dylan spreading the ball around. Um, but Buffalo equally had 153, so it was a big running game. Didn't really see too much of of, of, sort of Rogers airing it out. Um by his status this season, he didn't have that bad a game. But I think one thing that I can't um hand over without talking about was that awful awful offensive pass interference call that cost the cost the Packers a touchdown because that was shocking how that is offensive pass interference I have no idea um, which cost, uh, I think it was Robert Tonyan a touchdown. Um, but yeah, that was that was dreadful. But yeah, this is this is what the Bills do. They win their, they win the games that they're expected to win. You know, even if it's close, it's still a it's still uh, they all they're all wins at the end of the season. And this is a, this was a, you look at the start of the season, you think this is a big test. Green Bay coming to town. Green Bay are obviously not the team that we all thought they were in week one. But it's still a big test. You know, they still it's still you got to get the job done, and they and they did that. And the the, uh, the bills keep on rolling, and I think it's going to take a big, big team to stop the bills this season. They've had their loss, you know. They've they're, they're six and one at the moment, three and zero at home, and it wouldn't surprise me if they go undefeated at home this year as well.
0: Yeah, most definitely, mate. It's um, probably nothing to be too concerned about. But the bills did almost allow the Packers back in. You know, the fourth quarter was particularly poor. You know, two interceptions thrown from Josh Allen in the fourth quarter when they were just trying to put the game to bed. And like I say, yeah. Green Bay did sort of threaten to to try and mount a little bit of a comeback, but you know, I think the game was pretty much uh, out of out of reach by that stage. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if either of the two veterans can turn it around. Um, I've said we'd come on to the Minnesota Vikings. We'll go there next, 34-26 over the Arizona Cardinals. Um, the Vikings seem to have pretty much a standard MO when it comes to games as well, don't they? They seem to jump out into a lead, then let the opposition get back into it, and then they seem to find game-winning scores um, when things really matter. That was another similar sort of pattern that that emerged in this one. It's a little bit of a worrying trend that they do need to obviously find a way to, to get away from. Um, but the Vikings, like I say, all of a sudden very quietly, I think, moved to to six and one. You know, not many people are still talking about them, considering they've now got the second best record in the NFL. Um, we know that Kirk Cousins, when he's out of prime time in particular, can, can sort of get the job done. Dalvin Cook's going about his business and sort of having himself a very tidy season. You've already mentioned Justin Jefferson, mate. Um, in terms of the role that he plays in that offence. Um, Adam Thielen's always going to be a very good complementary number two wide receiver also. Um, so they are looking like a real threat here, aren't they? And like I so say, they're now three games clear of the Packers. They've obviously, um, you know, got momentum on their side. Do you see the Vikings as, as, you know, pretty comfortable now to take that NFC North?
1: Yeah, I think they did something more seriously wrong the rest of the season for them to give up that uh, that uh, NFC North title um, you know Green Bay don't look like they can pull a win out from anywhere um, and you wouldn't you would. I mean the, the Bears are trading away all of their star players they're not going to come back anytime soon and the Lions are, are, are strangely, if one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. Even though I thought they'd be a lot better than they are, they're just not. Um, so yeah, the, the Vikings would have to do something seriously wrong to give away this this lead, um, and they'll be pleased with it. You know, they're, they're six and one. They're quietly, like I say, going about their business. I think Ken, Kevin O'Connell was a was an astute hire. I think it's taken an offensive mind to to get them. You know, to to sort of unleash this offence a little bit. I still refuse to accept that Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. I won't <laughs> accept that. But, um, you know, he had himself a decent day. You know, uh, uh, 232 uh, yards, uh, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, uh, 103 ratings. So, you know, he had himself a pretty decent day. Um, spreading the ball around quite well, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen each with six receptions. You know, when you've got those two in the backfield, you, in sorry, uh, uh, rushing down to the end zone, you want to try and get them the ball as much as you can. And Dalvin Cook, obviously putting up the yards on the on the ground, they're, they're a good polished team right now. And, but the problem is, is that like you said, in on those prime time, you know, uh, whole nations watching games, Kirk Cousin, you know, melts, and they need to find a way around that. I don't know if it's a pressure thing. I don't know if he just he just can't play under the lights. It just all gets to him. I don't know what it is, but they need to find a way around that because they could they could have a season where they go like I don't know, fourteen and three, for example. They host a, a team in the playoffs. You know, one of these teams that sneaks in, like for example, let's say the Cowboys, because the Eagles win the division um, in the NFC East. Let's say the, the Vikings host the Cowboys. And the Cowboys roll into town and he gets demolished by Mika Parsons and Co. And they and they lose in the first round of the playoffs. And then what was it all for? And it just—it just—it's that ever-old question of of, of the, the the Kirk Cousins index. Of he's the worst type of quarterback to have because he's not going to win you a Super Bowl, but he's also not going to get you a first-round pick. So so, so, so first overall pick, he's like right dead dead in the middle, and it's just, it's the worst issue to have because you just never know if it's worth rolling the dice again. But no, certainly props where it's due. The the Vikings are having a, a quietly a very very good season. The Cardinals, in the meantime, um, are leaving so much to be desired. They've got to be wondering if that Kyler Murray contract was worth it. You know, what have they got to do to, to start improving? I think um, another one on my on certainly on my coaching hot this week is Cliff Kingsbury. I think Cliff Kingsbury's been on the hot seat for about a year and a half. Um they this this team is too is there's too many talented players around this this team, including DeAndre Hopkins, who had himself a hell of a game, 12 receptions, 159 yards um from 13 targets. He only dropped one catch, uh, one touchdown average of 13 and a half um, and and they just there there's too many good players in this team for them not to be at least in the conversation at 3 and 5 um, you know they're certainly not out of that division but the way that some of the other teams are playing um, if they don't sort something out soon um, i think if they get to a point where they're eliminated i think they'll pull the trigger on him because there are there are certainly i think coaches that could do better with this crop of players and um, and Kyler had another erratic game as well. Three touchdowns, two interceptions, four sacks. Um, QBR of forty five point six. So you know they're it, just so hit and miss. The Cardinals. You never know which team's going to show up. Um, uh, and nice to see that Robbie Anderson, uh, after being traded away, got um, zero receptions for zero yards after three targets. So they're obviously utilizing him very well at the office, aren't they offense aren't they? So yeah, I uh, don't know what the next step is for the Cardinals, but the Vikings certainly looking up.
0: Yeah, completely agree with that assessment mate. Um, right, I'm going to talk about a few teams now, mate that probably all come into the same sort of bracket just to wrap up the rest of the games that we haven't covered because there's been a few teams that you know are they really contenders or are they just pretenders? there's a few that probably fall into that category. Let's go to New York first where we've got both the Giants and the Jets who were both sort of riding high um, in the standings coming into this uh, into this weekend. For the New York Jets, 17, the New England Patriots, 22. It's very much a one-sided rivalry. Um, the New England Patriots always seem to have managed to find a way to defeat the New York Jets. Um, but the reality is this New York Jets team I think have gotten worse since Zach Wilson has actually come back into the lineup. And is it admirable that they want to keep rolling with him quite possibly in terms of his development, in terms of the long-term future of the franchise, but except the fact that you're sitting there with a, in going into this game, a five and two record. This is a big divisional game. You take this one, all of a sudden you get yourself three games clear of the Patriots with a big tiebreaker. Now all of a sudden, you know, the Patriots are just one game back and they have the tiebreaker over you. Um, And Zach Wilson, I mean, some of the interceptions he threw yesterday, the last one in particular, was just absolutely awful, mate. And are are we at the stage where the the Jets have actually got to consider benching him? Because actually, that's going to be the best thing for this offence. Elijah Moore seems to be completely disillusioned with things since Zach Wilson has come back into the lineup. That's you know that's your second round wide receiver that seems you know like he just wants out of there completely, um, you know, just just a really bad day at the office, mate. In terms of the Patriots, you know, it was basically Patriots style football, wasn't it? They capitalized on turnovers. You know, Mac Jones certainly wasn't lighting up any anybody. Um, you know, he, he had a very pedestrian sort of day. Ramondre Stevenson, he will you know he will go along nicely at four yards a clip, and that's pretty much what he did throughout this one. Um, you know, so very, very Patriots-like in the way that they executed their game plan. But we'll talk us through, mate, your view on the New York Jets who, like I said, were probably one of the more surprising 5-2 teams. Obviously, now back to 5-3. and three. Um, But are they going to finish the season with a winning record or are you actually that 5 going to be as close as, as the seeding probably is for this team?
1: It's, they should have won this game. I just don't know how they didn't win this game. And, he unfortunately, you know, it, it's it's difficult to, to sort of um, dig out a young quarterback who's obviously, you know, um, still trying to find his feet in the league. But you know, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, you know, you're a big boy now. You're in the NFL. You've got to come under this scrutiny. And if we're gonna give it to Trevor Lawrence, we've got to be able to give it to Zach Wilson as well. And he lost them this game. It, it unfortunately, there's no other way of looking at it. He absolutely lost them this game. You know, he was having a pretty decent day up until he started throwing all these interceptions. You know, if you look at his stat sheet, 355 yards in the air, averaging of 8.7, two touchdowns, only took two sacks. Like, you know, he was having a a half-decent day, let's say. And then he just started throwing all these wild inceptions. And all three of them were his fault. All three of them, I think you can solely pin on him. And it's, you know, it's a learning curve, and he's got to learn. And, you know, especially that last one where he's running all over the field. And just before he's about to go out of bounds, he just chucks it downfield. Just throw it away, man. Just throw it away. Even if you end up punting, just throw it away. Like, why do you need to throw that ball? He's I think he's he's focusing far too much on trying to make a play and scrambling and trying to to, to get something from it and and extend the, the yardage and extend the chains rather than just the, the fundamentals. If it's not there, check it down. If it's not there, you know, try and get some yards of your feet or or just throw it away. Just throw it away. It Live to fight another day. And, you know, if, if you get a few three and outs, then it is what it is, but it's better than giving the ball away. And trust me, as a fan of someone who is whose team this year are plus 14 on the turnover battle, you win games by not turning the ball over. The Eagles have only turned the ball over twice this season. Zach Wilson just did it three times in one game. Like You can't be giving the team, the opposition, the ball that many times. It's just, yep, yeah, we'll have that, thank you. And then it just gives New England really good field position. Like you said, New England weren't amazing this game. Mac Jones was sacked six times. You know, He threw an interception himself. He wasn't amazing. But when you get given the ball back three times, you're going to take advantage of that, even if it's just field goals. Even if you get two out of three of those field goals, that's an extra six points. You know, that's enough to to certainly make the game closer. So, it's it's frustrating. It must be really really frustrating um, for the Jets. You know, Garrett Wilson had himself a bit of a day: six receptions, 115 yards. Um, he looks like a really good uh, good pickup by the Jets, but. Yeah, I just I just don't know what the what the the answer is. I think they'll they'll keep riding with him for now because I think it is part of a learning curve and it is part of being in the NFL. Not you know look at Josh Allen. Not every quarterback comes good in the first or second season. It takes a bit of time to bed in, takes a bit of time to, to sort of come into the league and start to perform. Um but I think that you could just put that down as a really really poor game in the in the Jets' sort of schedule. Uh it doesn't get easier for them because next week they hold, host Buffalo. So it's a, it's a real difficult one for them. But then they've got a bye week. So a bye week before they go back to New England again. So maybe it's time for them to take stock if they can go at that by five and four. I think a lot of people probably didn't expect them to be having a winning record at this point. So they've won some good games this year, but they need to keep doing it. Um, and luckily, they're scheduled... Um, it does get a little bit easier apart from um, visits to Minnesota and Buffalo. They do finish up with Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle, Miami. So there's certainly winnable games in there. Could they sneak into the playoffs? Possibly. But if Zach Wilson plays like that again, they'll lose more games than they'll win. Um, in terms of the Patriots, I think, uh, uh, you know, like you said, they didn't really light up the field at all. Um, it, 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 interesting, isn't it, how Mac Jones, uh, you know, Many people would never say he was going to be the answer of the air to to Tom Brady's throne. And then when uh, they had to play Bailey Zappi a couple of weeks back, and he actually played really well, and then Bill Berchek just didn't shut down the, the quarterback conversation, it's just led to a lot of people thinking, well, hmm, I wonder if he might be the answer rather than Mac Jones. But Zappi obviously didn't play this game. Um, but, yeah, if the Patriots lose any more games, it would be interesting to see if we interesting to see if we do see Bailey Zappi again because he certainly intrigued a lot of people a couple of weeks back.
0: Yeah, definitely. He certainly played one well in the game against uh, Cleveland a couple of weeks ago, so I saw plenty of him uh, in that one. Um Yeah, like I said, though, the... Two teams both with uh, quarterback questions, that's for sure. A team that I'm going to move to next, mate, don't have any questions in terms of when this guy is healthy, and that's, of course, Tua, Tonga-Vailoa and the Miami Dolphins, who all of a sudden look back to that explosive offense that started out the season 3-0, and um, back now to 5-3. and um, two are obviously missed those three games. They've obviously won the two games since his return. So technically, with two of they are five and zero. You look at Tyreek Hill yesterday: twelve receptions, one hundred and eighty-eight yards. Jalen Waddle over hundred yards again. That's another game that Hill and Waddle both go over three digits in terms of receiving yards. Um, you know this offense is is excellent. The defense stiffened in the second half. The Detroit Lions have scored points against many a team, um, but the Dolphins found a way in the second half to shut them down. You know, the first half, the Lions drives 75-yard touchdown, 78-yard touchdown, 75-yard touchdown, 51-yard field goal, 67 yards in the field goal. Um, They couldn't get them off the field in the first half. Second half of Detroit, minus two yards, punt, one yard, punt, and 53 yards in the game on downs. Um, so certainly safe to say some good half-time adjustments. Um, yeah. But I think in terms of Detroit, man, let's not spend too much time on them. I think we've, we've sort of categorised them now as entertaining to watch, But all of a sudden the record has crept to one and six. Um, so, you know, there is no progression. Dan Campbell, as much as people like him, he has got to be very much on the hot seat. I don't care what anybody says. Ultimately, it is a results-driven business. He can say all the right things and he can, you know, potentially do all the right things in some people's eyes, but ultimately it's a results-driven business. But in terms of the Dolphins, mate, how much of a contender are they? This is obviously a division that we think the Buffalo are going to run away with. We've just talked about the other two teams in the division. Miami certainly, for me, seem head and shoulders above those two. And if you're asking me to put in a bit of a lock as a wild card at the moment, I think the Dolphins are probably one of the teams that I would certainly be reaching for my uh, pencil to, to stick in there as definitely one of the wild card teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think this the AFC, quietly, the, for all the talk in the off-season that the AFC was going to be the dominant division, and it was sorry, conference, and it was going to be the one where all these teams are going to have winning records. The AFC, quietly, is, is flattering to deceive. There are a lot of teams in the AFC that were supposed to be better than they are. Um, and I think the Dolphins have got to be booking that trend and actually be looking at. I think they'll overtake the Jets in the coming weeks, and then they've got to be looking at getting that number f- five or six seed because I don't think they're going to overtake the Bills. I think everyone's pretty set on the Bills winning that division. Um, but the Dolphins have definitely got enough to get to sort of, you know, I think a, a, an 11 and six sort of style record, maybe 12 and five because they look really good right now. Like you say, tour is, is, is playing very well, the offense is really polished. Um, you know, Mike McDonald's done a really good job with the uh, with the, with the offense, and they look they look just a really polished unit. I think I read that in his starts in the last, I think it's um, eleven games, two is ten and one in his starts over over this season and last. So like he's you know he's they're performing very very well. Um, the defense perhaps needs to needs to be adjusted, but like you say, halftime adjustments they they shut that that uh, Detroit offense down. Um, and yeah, like you said, like I said with the Bills, you just you, the good teams just win games. They just find ways to win games, and that's exactly what Miami does. They're a flashy offense. They do things very well. They love to throw the ball down the field. And when you've got um, when you've got players like Waddle and, uh, and like Mike Gazicki and like um, uh, you know. Um, uh, Tyreek Hill, sorry. I almost forgot the head. You know, you're going to want to throw the ball downfield because they're all such absolute monsters at getting down the field. And, you know, those two, the two receiving threats of Hill and Waddle, with as fast as they, them two both are, that's terrifying for any secondary in the NFL. Like that, that's going to beat either of them. So, yeah, really, a really good game for the Dolphins. I think they're back on track. It wouldn't surprise me if they, if they continue to win and, and, and get themselves up there with a, um, with a double digit win record. As for Detroit, defense is not good enough. Jared Goff is not the problem, but he's also not the answer and yes, uh, Dan Campbell has to be on the hot seat as much as he as much as he says some snappy things um, Unfortunately, this team should be better than they are um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they move on to the other season.
0: Yeah, let's move on then to the other New York team. And uh, to be honest, let's include both of these teams in the conversation because, bizarrely, I'm sure everybody saw the graphic that made the rounds at the back end of last week, that the only game on Sunday to feature two teams with a winning record was the Seattle Seahawks against the New York Giants, Um, just as everybody expected, as the meme um, rightly suggested. the Seahawks win this one a shade cosily, twenty-seven points to thirteen. Um, question: Really, on both of these sides, are the Giants as well? Are they as good as a six and two record would suggest? Um, you know, I think you talked particularly about the fact that so much of this game goes through Saquon Barkley. Um, And the Seattle defense found a way to really limit him yesterday. And you can see what then the output was from the rest of this side. Um, But the Seattle Seahawks, is this becoming a little bit more than just a Cinderella story? And actually, in a division that they were expected to probably be in the basement of, they obviously now lead the division, will come on to another team in the division to end the roundup, who I think we both agree will probably end up getting over the line eventually. But Seattle certainly in, in the conversation, I would suggest, mate, for, for potential wild cards. We've talked about the NFC South earlier on, you know, no team yet there with a winning record. The NFC East, no team with a losing record. Um, but somebody has obviously got to win this NFC West. And, you know, at, at the minute, Seattle set the post, man. So talk me through your thoughts on both of these two teams after this game on the on the weekend.
1: I'll start with New York. Um, I think, yeah, you, you sum it up perfectly. You find a way to stop the run and to stop mainly Saquon Barkley. And that just shows you how limited this team is in terms of its roster. Daniel Jones didn't have a game that fills me with confidence that he's going to get a second contract. because. He had 176 yards, zero touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over, but he was sacked five times. 24.2 QBR rating on uh, uh, on ESPN. Um, You know, this is the type of thing that makes you think if they just had something a bit better at quarterback, could this Giants team be even better than it than it is? And yes, they're six and two. And I think all that credit has to go to Brian Dable and this and this coaching staff. I think um, Dable's doing a great job. Mike Kafka in the calling the plays is doing a terrific job. Um, you know, um, defensively, they've been shutting teams down and, and, and sort of turning the ball over as well, which is always, um, helpful if you put the ball back in your offense's hands. But I just think somewhere along the line, I think a lot of people started to think that this, this team is not a six and one team and eventually something was going to have to crack. And it did this week, it did. And like you said, Seattle found a way to shut down Barkley and they, they managed to, to, to finish the game. But I think, uh, what I really wanted to talk about with this game is Seattle. I am so high on Seattle right now. They are they are such a fun team to watch, and I think this just shows you that Pete Carroll is far from done yet, and he's a he's a really good sort of offensive schemer. And you know, this defense the defense is not great. That's that, that's going to be their downfall if they don't make it. Is I think the defense is not great, but one of the things that Seattle's done really well this year is they drafted so well. Never not no other team in the NFL this season has hit on almost all of their draft picks. You know. You look at um, uh, Walker. Looks an amazing pickup. You know he the, the, he was he rushed the the, the ball really well yesterday, um, and the the cornerback they picked up as well, whose name is escaping me, Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen looks like a really really good uh, draft pick. He's he's really really uh, settled into that uh, Seattle defense. Um, as much as I think they do need a few more pieces, especially in the pass rush, um, you know. To uh, I think that they. Um, the the Seattle team is the defense needs a bit of improvement, but the offense is still is still really good. But we can't finish this game without talking about Geno Smith and how transformed he looks in Seattle. I think this is another story, like um Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. I think a change of scenery, a new offensive mind, some new a new playbook, some new receivers, and he's lighting it up. He's throwing the ball so well. He's not really, he's not really throwing errant throws. He's throwing it exactly where it needs to be. They should have won by more. The 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 um the catch that Ty Lockett dropped because it hit his face guard on his helmet, um, and he dropped the catch because he, he took his eye off the ball. That was a perfectly thrown ball. Gino Smith is playing like we've never seen him play before, and I even saw someone yesterday saying that Seattle needs to lock him down for a contract now. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, like. If you're prepared to gamble at Seattle, you could probably get him for three years for, for something minuscule compared to what other quarterbacks are going for because he's playing really, really well. And Tyler Lockett tweeted something after the game yesterday. It's funny how good a team can be when no one cares who gets the credit. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a dig at a certain ex-quarterback that he used to have. Um, but yeah, this this Seattle team's so fun to watch. Um, I think I really do think they're 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 gonna go far this year, they're five and three um at the moment they you know if they can get through games by scoring enough points because i don't think their defense is going to win them games um i think they're going to be they're going to be interesting to watch out for at the uh at the cup january in the playoff spots but obviously the problem is is that there's also some nfc teams that have got some really really good rec- uh, records so uh be interesting to see but yeah really high on the Seattle seahawks at the moment and really high on Geno smith long may it continue
0: yeah, long may I continue indeed. It's a really strange one, isn't it, Gino Smith? He's only actually started five games in the previous six years um, yeah. leading up to this season. So like you're saying, nobody was expecting it. I think most people assumed that Drew Locke would get the start as part of that Russell Wilson trade, with obviously Drew Locke having the age on his side in terms of you know wanting to develop potentially. Um, but now Gino Smith absolutely... Um, One of the real good news stories of the NFL this year and I suppose that leads us nicely mate to the final game of the week which is probably the good news story of the week and that is the performance of Christian McCaffrey um, who looked every bit the Christian McCaffrey that we all know and love doing everything in this game on the ground through the air even had the audacity to throw a touchdown pass as well um i i have never understood the amount of hate that jimmy garoppolo gets because i look at the stat line and you could have taken the name away and if you'd have said to me 21 of 25 230 yards two touchdowns that to me seems pretty much like a jimmy g type game um he does it year in and year out i was i was convinced that when trey lance went down that the 49ers would end up with a better record because of it at the end of the season Um, I think the the brass there will be delighted that they have hung on to Jimmy G. Um, And like you say, this trade for McCaffrey, a few eyebrows raised because of the price that was paid, Um, you know, ageing in terms of for for the running back position, you know, certainly not old by any stretch of the imagination, but we know it's a short shelf life for players that play in that position. Obviously, he's had lots and lots of injury problems in recent years. Um, but this is exactly the type of thing that he's capable of. And all of a sudden, like I say, it's took him, what, all of two weeks to really settle in and become the focal point of the offence. Really, really exciting to see what the 49ers can do. I think the alarm bells were raised in LA on opening night of the season, but they certainly have been (laughs) ringing ever since, you know, another, Week has gone by where Matthew Stafford, you know, completing again less than 60% of his passes outside of throwing to Cooper Cup. It's just not working out. And obviously, Cooper Cup, keep your eye on that one in terms of an injury that he picked up Um, late in the game, where the game was dead and buried. you, You know, you really start questioning why on earth would you even risk your premier wide receiver, premier offensive weapon, um, hopefully, it looks like a bullet has been dodged, um, but they have said it's an ankle sprain. These things have a tendency to creep into being more than a you know sort of a one-game issue. They often drag into a few weeks, so massive issues I think for the rounds But let's concentrate, mate, predominantly on the 49ers and look at how that performs from McCaffrey, because it certainly brought a smile to my face. And I know you mentioned it before we hit the record, but mate, how good it was to see him back doing what he does best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think this McCaffrey trade has transformed the San Francisco offense. The offense was already pretty good before, but like, this is a true answer on the ground, and 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 in the air. Like he's a he's a proven pass catcher as well as as well as as a rusher. Um, And he this just highlighted how good he is and how much when you put him in the offense of a. Um, of a Kyle Shanahan mind, who's someone who's really good at scheming up offensive players. It just shows you how effective he can be. And this this San Francisco team is going to be fun for the rest of the season. And it's going to be really interesting to see um, if they can go all the way because at the moment injuries have plagued them, especially on defense. Um, if they can get to the end and get everyone healthy, you know, God forbid, if they can keep everyone healthy. And it's ironic, isn't it? How one of the most injury plagued running backs of the last couple of years has gone to the most injury plagued team of the last couple of years. Um, so hopefully they can all stay healthy because if they can, I think this team is to be feared by anyone in the NFC. Um, and the defense is excellent. You know, the guys like Fred Warner, um, Javarius Ward, Jimmy Ward, Nick Bosa. both had a great game. Um, you know, it's it. Those are enough to, to scare any offense, and and they really did scare Los Angeles. I think San Francisco probably my favorite to take that division now, um, if they can start putting a run together. And like you say, Jimmy G is just quietly gets it done. Like you say, he's not the, he's not the he's not the most exciting quarterback out there, but twenty one of twenty five, two hundred thirty five yards and two touchdowns. You can't complain at that. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey threw the other touchdown, so you just can't complain at that. Meanwhile, Los Angeles um if alarm bells weren't ringing beforehand they need to be ringing right about now Um, i don't know what's happening with matt stafford i wonder if his decline is coming far earlier than the la rams thought it would do you know you look at guys like drew Brees and um and philip rivers and people like that as they got to a certain age their arms started to fall off you know they started to lose a bit of the of the arm strength and just getting the ball out and that sort of stuff and it, it just looks like that's happening for stafford already um, and I just don't think anyone really predicted that to happen so quickly. And obviously there was talk in the off-season of him having elbow issues. Um, and it's, it looks like it's happening already. Like you say, outside of Cooper Cup, he's, having, he's starting to have a little bit of, of chemistry with Alan Robinson, but you know, not as much as they they would have hoped with the amount they paid for him. And I wonder if this Rams sort of um, policy of trading away future capital to get big names in is finally coming home to roost. Because you can't continue to trade away all of your draft picks for all these big names, pay everyone, and never get any young talent through the door that's able to replace them. Um, and I wonder if this is finally coming on to roost. And this Los Angeles team um, look a bit lost right now. Um, and I don't know what the what the future sort of holds for them in terms of where do they go from here. Their schedule, obviously, with it being a first place schedule is not going to be easy. Um, um, they actually go to Tampa. Uh, in a in a matchup of two teams that are flattering to deceive in the NFC this season, Arizona, New Orleans, Kansas City, Seattle, Las Vegas, Green Bay, Denver, Chargers, and then Seattle. That is not an easy schedule. You look at those games, and I'd, I'd say only sort of Las Vegas and, and maybe Denver are games where you think, okay, well, you know these teams are not playing very well. You should probably beat them. But I just wouldn't I wouldn't say that they're a lock for any of those games. So yeah, it's going to be a really difficult finish for Los Angeles. Um, and I, I you know, questions will be raised whether or not they can even make the playoffs this year. Um but uh yeah, certainly San Francisco is, is what to end on because I love what the, I love what McCaffrey did in his first game. Um and it just shows you that put a good sort of dual threat back in with a guy like Carl Shanahan he will definitely make things happen.
0: Yeah, really, really good to see and exciting as terms of where it will head to. One game left on the schedule, of course, for week eight Monday night football. Cincinnati travel to Cleveland. Could get messy. Could get messy. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. It could be. uh, Yeah, could be. Could be messy. Um. So yeah, that's the game that rounds off the week. And then we go all again in week number nine. I haven't even looked at the fixtures yet, mate. I've been that busy with things. What have we got what have we got on the schedule in week nine? Let's have a let's have a quick look, see what delights we have in store. We start the week with Thursday night football, as you've already mentioned, mate. Um, with the Eagles. Um you'd expect them to obviously take care of business quite comfortably against the Texans. Um, in terms of other games that are ones to watch out for. Uh, Cardinals Seahawks could be interesting in terms of that light window. You know, another chance for the Seahawks to really stamp some dominance in that division. Um, earlier games, Falcons Chargers probably looks like the pick of them just from the scan that I've just done. Um, quite a few teams it would seem on the buy next week from what I can make out there because. Probably about six teams, I think, on the bye next week. So yeah. it'll be a shorter pod probably next week. We seem to have gone quite long this week, but I think only two teams on the bye. <laughs> so it always works out that way, doesn't it, mate? Always yeah. works out that way. I think we'll whiz through this one and we end up here an hour and ten minutes later. But it's been good fun. It's been good conversation. Um, like I say, week eight in the books pretty much. Obviously, keep everything tuned to Full 10 Yards. You'll get all of your betting tips from the lads later on in the week as we get ready for week nine. And obviously, the Go For Two pod will look at things in a bit more depth. Obviously, plenty of teams in terms of network channels, so make sure you're following your own teams as part of the Full 10 Yards network if you're fortunate enough to have one signed up for this season. And obviously, if you're a team or a fan of a team that doesn't have a channel and you're interested in creating some content, Let us know. We'd love to get you on board. Um, So, yeah, all things Full 10 Yards at Full 10 Yards on Twitter. Steve, it's been a pleasure, mate. Look forward to next Monday. Hopefully, we're back to a three-man booth. Uh, We will see how things progress. Um, But, yeah, like I say, between us, we will cobble a team together, that's for sure, to bring you a week nine review after taking week eight off. So, apologies to regular listeners if you uh, missed us last week. For now though, this has been the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast and we will see you soon.